Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of not paying attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? So I just got back from vacation and y'all, let's take a minute to talk about the importance of getting a break. So for me, that really looks like vacation, which looks like being on a beach. So there are times when I'm like, let's go to Europe. That's totally a vacation, but it's not the rejuvenation break that I was realizing I really needed. The last time my husband and I took a real vacation in this, in this sense of the word that was rejuvenating to my soul. And there's something for me about being in water and being at the ocean and that sound of the ocean that is rejuvenating to my soul. And, you know, we've had some things going on, COVID, various, you know, little hiccups in our world, which has interfered with me being able to take that kind of break. The last time I had that kind of break was four years ago. That is, <laughs> that is not the right interval for me. I need that kind of break once a year. And then I need other kinds of breaks, time with my husband, time with other friends. And so it, it got me thinking about how important, especially as we are in this time where everything about the world of work has shifted underneath our feet. And many people are going through some kind of transition, either figuring out how to transition back into the office or being in a hybrid situation, or they're realizing their organization doesn't work for them anymore. And if they're in a position to change that, getting about the business of doing that or finding a new gig. And so, we're, we're all in this place of uncertainty and change, and it feels like time is speeding up. You know, <laughs> 2023, like she is on a mission to get, get done. She's got someplace to be. This year feels like it is just flying by. And so I want to, I you know, I got to come back to work, come back to the office. Yesterday was my first day back. And I have a renewed sense of vigor, a renewed sense of excitement and curiosity about the work that I get to do, about the 
clients that I get to work with, about the keynotes that are coming up in my world. And and it it feels like I have just gotten, you know, a B12 shot, even though I actually <laughs> I actually don't like B12 shots, but like I feel like I've gotten a shot of I don't know, a shot of happiness, a shot of juice, a shot of something great that I, that my brain, that my body, that my spirit feels re-energized. And so if any of you out there are thinking about like, "Mm, it might be nice to take a break, I want to really encourage you to figure out for yourself how to make that happen, which brings me right to our guest for today. Maria Baltazzi is a happiness explorer who is all about helping people become happier and live more consciously. Her experience as an Emmy-winning TV producer, well-being teacher, world traveler, and travel designer specializing in transformative adventures gives her a unique lens into conscious living. Maria helps people discover their own path to happiness in a fun and creative way that combines journaling, photography, and community. With an MFA in film and a PhD in conscious-centered living, which we're going to explore a little bit. I didn't know you could have a PhD in conscious-centered living. That's really cool. Maria's adventurous and giving spirit that includes epic treks and charity walks on all seven continents makes her an inspiration for living your best life. And she has a new book coming out. So I want to make sure that we bring that into the conversation today as well. Welcome to the show, Maria. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Oh, thank you. And we are, we have scheduled this to be today here in the studio because I just got back from a break. And if I remember correctly, you're about to take off on an adventure. Yeah, the adventure is to Morocco. I'm actually attending, it's a travel conference, but it's really for people who design very high-end experiences for their guests. And then I'm taking a few days afterwards to to go check out a place uh, along the coastline. So yes, uh, Morocco, you know, Africa as a destination is my heart place for a variety Mm -hmm. of reasons that if you want, you can ask me later about, but, (laughs) but Morocco is is so different from Southern or East Africa. So you just are stepping into a whole nother world, whole nother culture. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I wish you a bon voyage and I will be uh, excited to hear about everything after you get back. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to begin our conversation the way that I often do, which is tell me something that we are not paying enough attention to, either consciously or unconsciously. And what is the cost of that inattention? Well, I think you just described it. 
<laughs> I, I, I really do. It's it's the awareness of how you are in in your everyday world, mm-hmm. and it's costing you not not having the proper sleep, not drinking enough water, not taking that time for not only emotional rest but brain repair. You know mm-hmm. how restorative and necessary you know, sleep is. So it's, it's not being aware of, of taking care of yourself and how you are in the world, your stress level, your behavior patterns, not being aware of that is costing you your health, really. Yeah. Yeah, so it's costing you your well-being. And you come from an industry in which, at least from the outside, I've never been in, in, you know, what here in Southern California, we just call the industry, but most people in the world would call the entertainment industry. This is, this is where you spend a lot of time. And there are a lot of people in that industry who use as a badge of honor, like, oh, well, I only need three hours of sleep a night. And, and so this idea of, I only need three hours of sleep a night and the way that it has sort of permeated our general culture in this badge of busyness, like the more busy I am, the more important I am, the more I'm getting stuff done. And (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but I can spend a whole lot of time being busy and not get a damn thing done. So there's a big difference between being busy and being productive. And in my world, you know, I I run my own company. I've got uh, a handful of clients that I work with on a regular basis and I do keynote speaking and I am writing a new book. And, you know, I have a lot of things going on that are constantly taking my creative brain power. And I've realized I now need an enormous amount of sleep. Like I used to be fine with seven. Now I need a base of nine. And if I can get 10 or 11 or 12 hours of sleep a night, I'm better the next day. And when that started happening to me, I felt a lot of like guilt or shame or like, what's, what's wrong with me? I even went to to my doctor and said, I'm sleeping so much. This, this feels like something's off. She's like, no, your brain is just working really hard. You're in this whole new phase of life, creating your own business. And takes so much more brain energy, you just need more sleep. But that's completely countercultural to the world that we live in. And I know the world that you come from. So can you help shine a light for us on, on your perspective, on it's kind of like how we've gotten here and, and then what do we do about it? Well, I, the, there's a few things in there, you know, just first addressing the, the sleep issue. 
uh, Ariana Huffington a few years ago wrote a tome about yes. sleep. I mean, she is a huge sleep proponent because she she basically collapsed at her desk and and you know realized she needed to do something. Uh, in Ariana Huffington's book about sleep and other research, it 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 points to people needing an average of seven adults needing an average of seven to nine, 10 hours of sleep a night. And this became very important to me uh, when I was uh, working as a producer on, on Survivor, because you are out in the elements. And, right. and for me, as a producer, I, I always wanted to be there for as long as I could be there with, with uh, the, the Survivor contestants not only for story, but also for their safety. You know, I, I was always concerned, you know, especially when weather was coming in, you know, about their well-being. So I would arrive before First Light with the very first cruise, and I would leave, you know, the beach when they were finally falling asleep or pretty close to that. So those were long days. Yeah. They were hot days, you were being bitten, you were being rained on, you were being pounced on by the sun. You had a lot of elements that, that were, were, you know, just physically altering you. Mm-hmm. And then you had just such a barrage of, of audio that was coming. And I'm very sensitive to sound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have one earpiece listening to the contestants and what they were saying so I could, you know, tell the camera crews what stories to follow. I would have another earpiece in the other ear that was telling me what was going on with production. And then I would generally have somebody in front of me asking me a question. (laughs) That was a lot of audio that was coming into your head all day long in addition to the the environment. I would be exhausted. You know, you would work three days. That that was the length of your episode. You would work three days and then rest for three days. And I would, I would just sleep. And that's where mm. I learned the 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 importance of sleep for my well-being. Mm-hmm. I could do without water. I could do well to a certain extent. I could <laughs> eating. What I could not do was not have sleep. Yeah, I needed sleep to be able to be functioning and thinking clearly and and being responsible. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're responsible out there for all the humans that are in front of the camera as well as behind the camera. So sleep is hugely, hugely important. And then eventually, you know, I made that as as an observation for myself. Right. And so I always honored sleep. I, I and I even today I rarely wake up with an alarm. I just hmm. let my body sleep whatever it needs to sleep, and it tends to be about seven eight hours. Mm-hmm. And and it it just it makes a difference. So yes, your your body needs to have that downtime. It needs to it needs to it rejuvenates itself. Yeah. You know, and also while you're you're in a sleep state, you know, what's going on in your brain is that that they're also 
you know, neurotoxins that, that uh, are getting trimmed away. You know, the stuff that you don't need is getting cleared out. So you need to, to have that sleep for the, those micro repairs in your brain to, mm -hmm. to happen. So that, that and water, water's, that water is another huge thing. And what I eventually realized in my business and what started me on my well-being journey, my happiness journey, you know, I have a background, I specialize, it's, yes, it's a degree in conscious living, and it emphasizes happiness studies and mindfulness, hmm. which ultimately to me, it's when you are taking care of yourself, and, and this is, you know, the, the, you know, what do we do about it answer. Yeah. Yeah, is, is that you really need to approach it from a holistic or what I call, you know, a whole being perspective where you are addressing your mind, body and soul, your mind, body and spirit. It is all important and it, uh, and it all is interrelated. Mm. And I started my journey when I was recognizing that the demands of my, my career were having an adverse effect on me. And I felt this is not sustainable for me, not emotionally. And if it's not sustainable for me emotionally, it won't be sustainable for me physically. And I will just shut down. Yeah. And who knows, you know, you're, you have stress and then stress can lead to a whole host of other problems. Right. So it's, it's so important to just stop. You were so right when you were saying, not only do I need breaks once a year, but I need to do something throughout the year. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Starting with getting enough sleep uh, at night. You know, taking, yeah, I'm a, I, I am a huge advocate of meditation. I teach mm. three different kinds of meditations teach a primordial sound meditation, which is what Deepak Chopra uh, teaches. It's a form of uh, transcendental meditation, mindfulness. And then uh, I, I have a spiritual meditation practice. And, and taking, whether you meditate or not, mm -hmm. just to stop being a human doing and being a human being, even for five minutes, yeah, it makes a difference, you know, when you do that consistently, you know, because it, it, just paying attention to your thoughts, paying attention to your breath can really help to, you know, bring down your nervous system. You activate that parasympathetic nervous system because when you are on that constant high alert, you know, that, that, that breaks your body down. It breaks your immune system down. It breaks down your creativity, it, it, your, your ability to think logically. You know, it, it just, it, it impacts so many things. You know, to say that I haven't had, this is not meant specifically to you, but, you know, to say I have not had a break in, in four years, you know, those are not bragging rights. That's no. just, you don't know how to draw boundaries. <laughs> and you're right. stressing your body out. And when you stress your body out, you're not as effective. And when you're not as effective, you know, you're, you're not, you're not as useful to yourself or anyone else around you. Right. 
So you take care of yourself, not only for you, but for every other human that you interact with. Absolutely. You know, and, and I had been in a pattern of taking two real breaks a year and then COVID. And, you know, so this was really our first opportunity to, to get back to it. And, and many people are in that same kind of situation. And just like anything, you know, when we stop going to the gym, when we stop paying attention to our water, when we stop eating healthy food, when we stop taking little breaks for meditation or quiet time or, you know, wh whatever that looks like for you, stop getting massages, stop, you know, doing whatever the things are that feel rejuvenating to us to fill our tanks back up. Yeah. It then it can take a little while to get back into the rhythm of it. And, and it was so remarkable to me how, what the, both the opportunities were and the challenges were on this, on this vacation. Usually I'm really good about being able to unplug, not checking my phone, not checking email, not checking texts, not even thinking about work. And, and then when the vacation is over, I'm able to plug back in. I had a hard time turning off my brain this mm -hmm. time. And I, I think it's because my brain was out of practice with what that, what that practice looks like of, of really disconnecting from work and being able to just be present in an amazingly beautiful setting with my fabulous husband. And we met a couple from North Carolina and a couple from Scotland. Um, and the the three couples, the six of us, you know, I, I think have created a, a bond that's going to stick with us. We're talking about going back to the same place next year. You know, you don't often make those kinds of relationships. And, you know, so here I am having this amazing time. And we went, we were in Mexico and we went to Tulum and we got blessed by a, a shaman. And, you know, I mean, we're just swimming in cenotes and, you know, I mean, we, we had this amazing experience and yet my mind kept wanting to plug into what do I need to do about that thing? Or, it, oh crap, I forgot to follow up with that person or what's going to happen about this. And, and those are the the, you know, it's, it's one of those tricky things about meditation, you know, thoughts, thoughts are going to happen. It's about how do we let them go? And my, my practice of letting them go was really rusty. And so I got hooked on multiple occasions. And even at one point was emailing one of my uh, team members and saying, Hey, can you check in with this person about this thing? I'm like, yeah, this, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing on vacation. So I want to use that actually to get into your book, because I know that part of what your book does is help take us on a journey and start to create some of those new neural pathways that we need in order to really get recentered and really get the rejuvenation that we need. So A, do I have that right about, about what your book is about? And because I haven't had a chance to read it yet. And B, 
I'm curious what the impetus was for writing the book and then how you hope people will use it. So the impetus for writing the book was that I was finding the things that I was uh, learning and practicing to be so incredibly helpful, life-changing that I just wanted to share it out with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and especially other creative people, you know, mm-hmm. people who are who are freelancers, you know, people who, you know, anybody can benefit from the book. Sure. But but you know, I'm coming from a place of being creative and a freelancer. And and so I was writing, I was writing a book that I had I had wished I had when I was mm you know, in my journey. Uh-huh. And, well, I'm still, you're always in your journey. <laughs> right. it's, not, it's an ongoing thing, you know. It's, earlier, it's, earlier in your journey. Yeah, early, when I was earlier in my journey. <laughs> and and the reason I, I say that is that I wanted, I wanted a book that was uh, holistic in its approach, mind, body, spirit, and, and was was friendly to use. You know, there's a lot of really fantastic books out there. I have them sitting on my bookshelf. I have many good teachers. And and I felt that most of the books really focused on one aspect of well-being. Mm-hmm. Or they were maybe too too academic, if you will. Yep. Yeah, and and I wanted to do something that that really could appeal to you know anybody on their journey. You know, whether you're just starting out or you wanted a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to offer something that wasn't already being done, mm-hmm. and that's where I was looking to to combine you know journaling. And, and just the act of writing, you know, you, you get just a blob of thought in your head, especially <laughs> when you are, are, you know, upset about something. But if you can write it and write through it, you know, it helps to give uh, clarity and structure to, you know, it gives it form, you know. So the journaling is one aspect, you know, photography is, is another aspect. And, and this was this. Uh, this actually became, you know, a, a meditative practice for me. Is that if I could just became a meditative practice? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. It in in that when I could just focus on one image, and you know, we we all we all carry phones with cameras, <laughs> right? and and I I do this almost every day. I will find something that just stops me. And I just focus on that one thing. And I don't think about anything else for whatever Mm -hmm. amount of time it takes for me to settle on the image. You know, I'm very thoughtful about my frame. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I try to capture exactly what I want in a picture frame. 
you know, mm -hmm. there's something I don't have to, so I'm looking at composition. Well, that's where my film school comes into play. Right, right. Looking at composition, I'm looking at light. Not, and I'm not saying that every photo I take is fantastic. No, <laughs> it's, and it's not about that. It's not right. even about being good. It's about being mindful. Mm -hmm. being, being mindful, of, and that's what you do in your head. Right. When right. we think, we think in pictures. Absolutely. It's yes. the reason the story. So is so that's bad. what you want. You're using photography as a way of, of helping you understand and be aware of the images that are that are not only physically in front of you, but what's going on in your head. Mm. You know? And and then, you know, um, creating a, a, a a community like a Facebook community where you know people who are going it's a private Facebook community so you know people who are reading the book they have a place where they can go and share you know what they're that what they're thinking what what their pictures that they're taking you know at the end I, I formatted every chapter like I would an episode of episodic television uh-huh I took that approach in that um, every chapter begins with just my general thought on the topic. And then um, I have eight bullet points and I use the in eight chapters and I use the, the number eight uh, intentionally because it's, it's the, the sign of, you know, put it on its side and it's the sign of infinity. infinity. I mean, Right reasons, but that's the big thing is that you know what we learn in life is, is is ongoing and continuous. So it was very intentional in my book, and then I I end with an affirmation with um, a centering thought, and then at the end of the chapter I have a meditation prayer that that people can use, and then I have a series of reflective questions. I give assignments, you know, of, of things that people can journal about and and offer photo assignments, you know, things that people can go out. And all this is to anchor. It's specific to that chapter's lesson. Yep. So to really anchor the thought in three ways, you anchor the thought by writing about it. You think anchor the thought by by considering the images around that idea. You mm -hmm. anchor the thought by sharing it with others mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, you know, the question you may have or the insight you may have may be something that's helpful to someone else, you mm -hmm. know, and it makes learning more fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. the book is called Take a Shot at Happiness, How to Write, Direct, and Produce the life you want, which I, which I love, you know, because it's, it's connected obviously to you and your journey, but it's also, as you said, it's a, it's an accessible concept and it is being released on October 10th of 2023. Do I have that all correct? You do. Awesome. And so if people want to, they can pre-order the book right now on Amazon and if people want to join the Facebook community, how do they find that? They go to Take a Shot at Happiness. And that's on? Uh, well, it's on Facebook. Take a Shot. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's take a, a Shot at Happiness on Facebook. Right, Perfect. right. It's a, it's a private Facebook group community, and you just type in Take a Shot at Happiness. 
awesome. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. And so I know that, you know, sort of wherever you are on your journey, as we were talking about before, this book could be really helpful. And I know that one of the times in life that it could be really helpful is if you're in some sort of a transitionary phase. And so many people right now, one of the one of the many things that happened through COVID is that people had an opportunity to take a break. People had an opportunity to pause. And because we were in a, you know, a really a life and death situation for many people, many people ended up reevaluating their lives. And what do I want? And how do I want my life to go? And so I know that you just recently got a really great review of your book from somebody who is in a period of transition. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes. So when I was a producer on Survivor, the the executive from CBS who was scheduling the network, uh, his name is Kelly Call, and he subsequently went on to become the president of entertainment for CBS. Uh, he, so he, just a, a very small job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually left CBS and he uh-huh. left it um, maybe about a year ago. I mean, within the year, you know, relatively yeah. recent time. And he read my book. He was kind enough to read my book. And when he uh, wrote to me about it, you know, the, the, the endorsement that he wrote was that, that for, you know, someone who is in a, is in a time of transition, like Mm -hmm. he is that, that my book presented a clear roadmap for making that transition, Mm. which I, I design travel experiences and I also take people on their trips and mm-hmm. I have had several solo trips. So it's just me and my guests going to Africa on safari and, mm. and we do one-on-one work together. And, and most of the people who come to me come to me because they are in a period of transition. Mm-hmm. So they're not coming to me because of trauma or because of stress, I mean that you know by extension can get addressed. But they're but they're really coming to me right now. I just planned a month long journey, solo journey, with someone who's actually on television, <laughs> and it's it'll be a month long journey in Africa. And one of the things that that they want to work on is the next chapter. So, you know, people will come to me, they've been highly successful in their careers, they've done stuff, they're doing stuff, but they're trying to figure out what is next for them. And, and I, and I help them navigate, you know, that, that transition. I, I love that. And I, I also love, I mean, you know, obviously, so an individual, curated tour uh, for a month in Africa sounds amazing and not something that is necessarily accessible to everyone. And so I love it that you've also created this book as a, 
as a portal, as a as a way for people to have a piece of that experience. So when we're thinking about, all right, what what do what do I need in order to rejuvenate? What do I need in order to, you know, and and there are I, I worked uh, maybe a decade ago with an amazing uh, teacher named Allison Armstrong, who we we got to think about, you know, in order to be blank, I need blank. So in order to be patient, I need time alone to reflect and to center. And in order to be creative, I need time with my best friend. And in order to be joyful, I need sex. And in order, you know, like we figured out all of these different ways that I want to be in the world, ways that I'm called to be in the world, and what are the things that I need, what fills that tank? So, you know, what fills my patient's tank is not going to be the same thing that feels, that fuels my playful tank. And so, um, you know, helping people figure out those things that will be rejuvenative for all the different ways that they are called to show up in the world, I think is such a great opportunity. And um, so as, as you think about that construct, what are the things that for you um, are the ways that you want to be in the world? And what are the things that for you fills those tanks? Well, for me, it, it starts with uh, choice, mm-hmm. and and it's a choice that that I make every day, mm-hmm. and most moments of the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes we got to do stuff yeah, that sometimes, we're sometimes yeah. you're not making the best choices, so you know you have to acknowledge <laughs> that we're all human. Um, but it is a choice of, of how I want to be. When I talk about happiness, I, I talk about not a fleeting state of mind. I talk wow. about a way of being in the world. And, and when you study happiness and mindfulness uh, as much as I have, you know, it, it, it really points to choice, awareness and doing something about it mm. consistently every day you know you don't you don't you don't go to the gym and you know do a round on on of you know weights you know a circuit round on the weights once no you do it every day yeah and that's then that's what it is when you look at well-being you make that a a lifestyle choice and the things that that fill me are exactly what we're doing right now. Mm. You know, where I can be of service to to other people. I mean, I I have created a life I I genuinely love. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Am I always am I always upbeat and perky? No, no. I mean, my ethnicity is great. <laughs> my, my culture, we live at the top of our lungs and the end of our nerves, you know. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but the, the thing is that that I I genuinely believe my my book can help people. I, I believe that 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 it's accessible, it's fun. It taps into your creativity. It, it gives you permission, allowance to explore. Mm-hmm. You know, just not not only your inner self, but but your inner self by way of creativity. You know, so that that fills my tank. You know, is mm-hmm. are these choices? You know, it's it's taking time to meditate, or I I am I have this. Maasai like quality to walk distances. I've done, I've walked marathons on every co- continent as fundraisers. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I just can walk. So uh-huh. most days, you know, a short walk for me is three miles. And <laughs> I do that most days. Yeah. And so that fills my tank. Sleeping fills my tank. Amen, sister. <laughs> you know, eating, eating foods. I was once in Africa on a trip. It was with other people like myself who who design uh, trips, mm-hmm. and and the the person that was hosting us, you know, he was paying attention to me, you know, you know, watching like my behavior and what I ate and what I wouldn't eat, and, and at some point he said to me, he goes, you know what? If I followed your diet, I wouldn't want to live. I mean, and <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at him and I said. But it's not a sacrifice for me. I mean, um, I eat. I'm a foodie. I mm-hmm. love to eat, and I can eat a lot. But but it, it, I I like eating fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. That's what tastes good to me. Not not mm-hmm. fried foods. Not not creamy foods. Mm-hmm. You know. So what fills my tank is is just being healthy, mm-hmm. exercising. You know, eating eating well. You know, those those things fill my tank. You know, writing writing about happiness fills my tank. Taking <laughs> photos fills my tank. A lot of things fill my tank. Oh, I love that. I I heard somebody yesterday who was talking about his journey, and he was saying that as a relatively young person in his. Um, probably mid to late twenties, he was in Mumbai, which is where he had grown up. And his goal was to uh, get to the United States and to be in the music industry. And uh, somebody said to him, a mentor said to him, so what actions are you taking to move you towards that goal? And he said, well, nothing. (laughs) And, And I loved it because so often we think, you know, well, I want to be happier. I want to be more fit. I want to be more creative. I want to be more, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And yet we don't do anything to move us towards that goal. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking, oh yeah, that's, that's me. I'd like to be happier and more fulfilled and more creative. And huh, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything to move me towards that, please go pick up, pre-order your copy of um, Maria's book, Take a Shot at Happiness. 
And then let us both know. Uh, let Maria know. Let me know. Join her Facebook group. I will be there too. Um, let us know how your journey is going. Uh, we have now been uh, talking for almost 45 minutes, and I've really been trying to keep my podcasts to about 30 minutes, and then I find these people that I, I love and enjoy and want to just keep talking. So I'm going to start wrapping up here. Maria, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you were really hoping we would have a chance to talk about? Well, the one thing that I would like to say is, is a parting thought, you know, when it comes to happiness and, and creating that as well as the life you want for yourself is, is that happiness is really a form of resilience. Mm. You know, you, you, you make these choices to be happy as a state of being as your baseline and you cultivate that. And it's, it's another form of resilience. So when you are having those times, which will happen that, that, you know, turn you upside down, yep. you have a path, a way of navigating those times, getting through it faster. I, mm. at least that's been my expect getting through it faster and getting onto the other side, being more emotionally intact than you would have in, in a previous life. This is what I have found in, in my own life and why I so wanting to share it with other people because that's what it is. Yeah. Happiness is a form of resilience. And, and I, I am in love with the word resilience because resilience is really about how we bounce back. It's about how we come back to who we want to be and I, you know, there's been so much talk and, and I love Angela and, and yet there's been so much talk about grit and, and for me, grit is just like grinding through it. Resilience is about how do we recover back to ourselves? And, and for me, that's what's the most juicy is, is, you know, cause we all go through hard things. And so, and we all have circumstances that get in our way. And then how, how do we recover? How do we return? So Maria, thank you so much for being with us here today, for sharing uh, your journey, for talking about uh, the book, for helping me come to terms with, um, or helping, help, I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally change that that concept because that's not that's not what i mean that's that's my old frame um helping me embrace my need for sleep and and understand that it's it's fine it's good it's important for all of us thank you so much for uh for being with us and sharing your wisdom oh well thank you it's been a real privilege being here thank you for asking me uh, it's been my joy. I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, 
www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Anxiety.